Hello, everybody. Welcome to RPG Cast episode 258 for the week of March 9th, 2013. I'm your host, Chris Privetier, here with a bunch of RPG Gamers' finest to bring you the latest in the week's RPG news. First off, formerly of Canada, now of a bed and where she shall reside forevermore, Anna Marie Newfeld. Hey, hold up my scepter of Wii U remote. <laughs> That's. A- a bed? When did you go to Arabia? <laughs> she's uh, she's bed-bound right now. She's got, uh, oh. I don't know. The wrong kind of, different a bed. Some different excellent bed. pain medication. Some excellent pain medication. But she's here and she's doing fine and she'll be okay. So she's going to podcast because that's the kind of trooper she is. Thank you, Anna. Um, also here from the West Coast, Emmanuel Marino. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Los Angeles. Help us kickstart a new city. Well, that seems to be the theme this week. Just whatever you want to kickstart, just do it, because you're going to get funded. Um, who else we got? Oh, yeah, John, you're worth our resident painfully British man. Missiles, 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 Wait. missiles. Wait, what? Okay, that, that one I don't That about sums get. up the games I've been playing this week, which oh. I'll get on to later. Hmm. All right. Oh, wow. Let me look at that. Oh, yeah. That, that really would sum that up. Hmm. And finally, we've got a special guest for you this week. That's right, Mr. Ryan Baker. Who you may not recognize, but you should, because he's of Pixelscopic or Pixelscopic. How do you pronounce that, Ryan? Uh, Pixelscopic. Yeah, you got it right. All right, and uh, they are the company developing Delver's Drop, which is a big Kickstarter thing going on right now. Thanks for joining us today, Ryan. Yeah, well, thanks for having me. So I originally got introduced to um, Ryan at PAX Prime this year where he was part of the Indie Mega booth and both Michael and I were really attracted to his game because it's like, oh, this looks like Zelda and a dungeon crawl with puzzles and that's totally up you know, an RP gamer's alley. So, and then we realized that, of course, as always, the video game industry is smaller than we think. And um, you used to work with Stom, who was the guy who originally hired me on RP Gamer 13 years ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Doug Hill. Hey, Doug. Hope you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> if he's not, I'll make him. Yes. <laughs> so, your game has evolved so much since PAX that I, I would have difficulty trying to describe it myself so i'm i'm gonna hand the mic over to you figuratively tell people about the game and um how did how did we get into the delver's drop well um we started working on it actually over a year ago working on the the ideas mainly and we were still kind of in the infancy of our engine at the time um but we like you were saying we actually uh developed a kind of prototype uh, for PAX Prime that we were showing off. And, uh, you know, we've since launched a Kickstarter. And it's a 2D action RPG inspired by 8 and 16-bit era games. So, you know, you'll obviously see Zelda influence, some Secret of Mana, a little bit of Lolo and the puzzles, um, some Ease series. And um, we're, we're basically taking kind of elements from all of these games that we uh, loved growing up or love now and are trying to, to basically kind of combine them into, you know, what, what is the action RPG we would want to play? And uh, so we have randomized dungeons, uh, several character classes that you can level up individually. We have a form of permadeath. Uh, permadeath. So whenever you die in a dungeon, the uh, you'll be able to start a new character, and uh, but you'll retain some of the levels and abilities that you had uh, kind of earned from that previous character. Um, but the dungeon will have re-randomized, so you have to play part of it over again. Okay. So you really are delving down into a drop. 
Yeah. So you start at the top of uh, this this kind of mountain castle complex uh, that's been turned into a series of dungeons, and uh, kind of as part of the story, these uh, the rooms of the dungeon actually shift and change. So the the layout is kind of constantly shifting around, and uh, at the center of it all is this giant hole with these stone plates covering it called the drop. And at each level, you'll have to solve puzzles and kind of move mechanisms uh, in this dungeon to uh, to remove these stone plates and allow you to jump down the drop to the next level. So you are constantly going down and down, uh, searching for freedom, essentially, because, uh, you know, these these kind of sets of rogues and sorcerers and gladiators have all been imprisoned in this this kind of sky jail, essentially, like way up at the top. Um, and the jailers let, for reasons that we kind of aren't revealing yet, and you'll find out in the story, um, they're letting one prisoner go at a time to try to brave these dungeons. And um, we, the main game mode is kind of this uh, campaign uh, where you're you, you're going through the story, trying to go deeper and deeper in the dungeon and solve all these mysteries. Um, but we're also uh, going to have what we're calling endless drop mode, and that's. Uh, what uh, what you may have played it's the uh, it's been on YouTube and and kind of several other places recently and we're also going to be showing it at PAX East in a few weeks um, but that mode is essentially our survival mode uh, where you go from room to room jump down a kind of small drop in the middle of of each room and uh, either defeat enemies or solve a puzzle to go to the next level and we track how many rooms you go through um, so that's really kind of our quick play mode um, but for the the main game will be kind of this big continuous dungeon that you're you're continuing to like progressively delve into awesome so what sort of time to complete are you looking for for the story mode like if you were like an awesome delver how quickly (laughs) would you do it and if you're terabad like me and face planted to spikes on a regular basis what's your sort of outlier time yeah, well, uh, since we, we're still prototyping the continuous dungeon mode, so this is all sort of like uh, my my theoretical calculations that I'm going to throw out right now, but um, we're shooting for um, a kind of minimum playthrough time, if you really know what you're doing, of about, I would say, 8 to 10 hours. Um, and so that's, you know, nine zones, about an hour per zone is kind of what we're shooting for. Um, and if, uh, for a first time player who isn't used to the systems and, and that sort of thing has to learn, learn some stuff and, you know, maybe dies periodically, um, it could be potentially double that. Um, because I mean, even though you don't have to start at the very beginning of the game, you will have to kind of obviously like replay a, a floor of the dungeon if you don't complete it the first time so it could be 20 plus hours and i mean we're trying to add a lot of replay into this both through the randomization uh and multiple endings you can also level up each class and learn more about their individual backstories uh for the rogue and the sorcerer and so on like how they came to be imprisoned in the drop and and they're all from these ancient adventuring guilds and so you kind of learn about their guild as well um so you know what's up with the rogues guild these days basically um and um, and then also, like I was saying, we have other modes if you kind of, you know, put your hundred or so, uh, hopefully, hours into the, the main story mode. Um, you can switch off to either Endless Drop or uh, one of the other modes that we're probably going to be working on if we reach our stretch goals. Okay. So um, maybe let's touch upon how the difficulty levels work and maybe you can reveal a little more about the undelver you talked about on your live cast last week. Yeah. 
Um, so the uh, we want to actually have a fairly persistent uh, difficulty level through uh, through the game. I mean, obviously dungeons will get more challenging, but we're trying to be uh, we're trying to make the game very grind free. So um, even though you can level up your characters, you're essentially leveling up uh, and, and kind of customizing their perk tree not to make yourself exponentially more powerful, um, but rather to make your character more flexible. So you can add things like uh, an elemental um, kind of additive for your your class's special ability. Um, But as you level up, you're not going to gain attack power. Or as you find new weapons, those weapons will behave differently or have a longer reach or a wider sweep or something like that. But but you're not going to be kind of grinding out... uh, like very slightly more powerful weapons as you go. Like you could actually play through the game with the, the base weapons, or we even want to make a sort of swordless quest. Um, the way people play Zelda one, um, in in let's plays sometimes, um, where, yeah, you can just go through the game with your shield and some sub items like bombs. Um, nice. Yeah. Fantastic. So, yeah, we want to have a lot of flexibility um, for uh, for people who want to either challenge themselves or kind of play the game the normal way, essentially. Um, and uh, you were mentioning the Undelver. So um, and this is actually where it, it's kind of to compensate for. Um, I mean, a, a lot of people have been asking us, are you going to have true uh, permadeath? And we wanted to make a game that was pretty balanced for a really wide range of players and not have complete permadeath. But we're since we have we've had so many requests, we're actually going to add that in the options menu. So you can turn on complete permadeath, start the game completely over if you die, if you want that option. Um, so that is kind of our one big difficulty tweak that players can make if they choose to. Um, but if you're if you're playing the normal mode, every time you die, you know, I mentioned the dungeon re-randomizes all of that stuff. You have to start with a new character. But because of some of these kind of magic, uh, mysterious things that are going on uh, relating to the story, the previous character you were playing as who just you just let die somewhere deep in the dungeon uh, comes back as what we're calling the undelver, uh, basically a white or kind of a skeleton version of that class. Um, so you may actually have this kind of skeleton rogue running around with whatever weapon you last had uh, in your inventory trying to kill you. Oh, excellent. Yes. So, like, the better you did in the previous play, the worse off it'll be for you? Yeah, and if you die again, you will then have two skeletons. And uh, basically, you you know, at some point, you'll end up with, with more skeletons than, than you can handle. And the game will automatically... Like, we have kind of this cutoff where if you die too many times in a dungeon, it will shut the drop and you'll have to replay the previous level. So your progress can actually backslide uh, the more times you die uh, in, yeah, in a row. Is, is, that on, is that on every <laughs> version or is that a specific mode of the game? Um, that's currently our plan for the normal mode. Okay. We're going to try to, I mean, obviously we're going to really play test it like crazy and try to make sure it's balanced. Um, you know, and, and basically if we, even if we determine like, let's say the, having the undelver in the dungeon ends up being way too difficult, it may be more of a random chance, like 50% of the time it creates an undelver or something like that. I mean, this is all, the game is so early in development. We're not even at what we would really truly consider pre-alpha. Um, so, so yeah, some of this could change a little bit. Um, and we, we definitely want people to give us feedback, um, through the kind of the closed alpha and closed beta that we're going to have and, you know, let us know what they think about the difficulty. So, so Anna, if you, um, if you want to give us some feedback, we are all for that. Good. 
Um, actually, that springs right into the next nerdy question is, um, what development platform are you guys using? Uh, we have our own engine, um, so we're not using Unity or anything like that. It's all, uh, I mean, there, we use some kind of third-party components here and there, but it's mostly just uh, all up to our programmer, Kobe. Um, right. He's been you working on this for about three years. So. that you ended up using for Delver's Drop, right? Um. Oh well, that's is a separate company's Kickstarter, okay. uh, but we yeah we are going to be using um, Spine uh, for the animation, and they, their Kickstarter recently succeeded. It's a really slick um, sprite animation tool designed for two D animation, where you can use kind of minimal textures and move the pieces around, sort of like animating in Flash, uh, which is actually what we've used so far. But right now our textures are kind of huge, and so we're trying to get big performance gains. Uh, by using less texture memory is is kind of the gist of it. So for any developers out there, you should go check that out. So speaking of Kickstarter, you guys are on Kickstarter. Um, you yeah. made your goal. Congratulations. Yes. And so what are your stretch goals right now? Yeah, so uh, right now our dollar amount is sitting just above 112 grand, and the next goal is at 115. So we're actually really kind of creeping up to that. Um, but I'll jump back just a second, and because uh, we've met two stretch goals so far, uh, the first one was the uh, uh, Linux on release. So originally we were planning on developing for Linux, but we were going to have to wait until after the game was released and then kind of turn around and port our engine to Linux, just like we would for, I mean, if we someday maybe did consoles, we would have to port our engine to those systems as well. And unfortunately, I mean, it's something we wanted to do and just haven't had time to kind of fit it in the schedule. But now that we reach the stretch goal, we're going to be able to put, uh, like basically get some additional programming help to, uh, to do that port. And so Linux will be available on day one with PC and Mac. Uh, our second stretch goal was uh, the secret passage discovered goal. Uh, and we added a character and a zone uh, to the game. And the zone will have enemies, uh, bosses, and, and so on. So basically a full kind of level expansion. Um, and so the next one at 115, just a couple thousand dollars away right now, is the Warriors Guild, which is the four-player expansion Um it is kind of a standalone, uh, actually two modes. Uh, we have horde mode where you and up to four friends can, uh, can fight against waves of enemies in these kind of custom designed arenas that are kind of made to accommodate, you know, the, the, the waves and the four players. Um, and you'll go from kind of arena to arena and see how far you can go. It's, it might be kind of a variant of endless drop, but with four players and, and way more enemies. Um, so kind of think like randomized gauntlet a little bit with with slightly smaller arenas are you going to allow friendly fire like for example can i smash chris with a sword and have him poke into the spikes maybe but if you're into that uh the better mode for you will be the uh the deathmatch mode uh, which is in that same stretch goal um so you and uh like i said uh, repeating myself here uh, three other friends uh, can do a well basically the way we're describing it to people is deathmatch is basically super smash brothers meets zelda four swords um so you run around this arena um and hack at each other you know smash brothers style use your special abilities and we're going to randomly drop in power-ups uh, or even sometimes enemies and uh that that can kind of uh, affect the the tide of battle. So if you run and grab a power up, suddenly you're you, you know you've got the edge on on the rest of your friends, um, and 
yeah, so we're hoping that'll be a lot of fun for parties. Uh, and the, the, that mode will be uh, made available on, on all the desktop platforms and also Ouya. So a lot of people have been pretty excited about playing this on their TV uh, when the Ouya comes out. And, well, actually, the just to be clear, the Ouya release for us won't be until early next year. But still, pretty exciting for us and hopefully for our players, too. Okay, so let's do a, a roll call of all of the platforms it's going to be on. Yeah, it's going to be on PC, Mac, Linux, iOS, Android, and Ouya. And uh, we have gotten some requests for Windows RT, and that's in our plan, um, but we don't have it in the schedule yet. So no promises as to when that might come out. Um, And uh, there have also been a lot of requests for console. That's much more of a kind of distant future thing. It was actually our last stretch goal, which basically there's no way we're going to get that much money unless we have like a a last minute uh, surge of $100,000. But, um, but, you know, it's something we're kind of considering for the future. Uh, If the game does well enough and we keep getting requests, uh, we'll definitely consider porting our engine and kind of jumping through the hoops necessary to to get it on uh, one console or another. And it looks like Chris actually backed you while we were on the podcast. Yes. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, okay. Any cool. final um, thoughts or do you, do you guys have any questions, panel? I, I do. Um, okay. What the heck is up with this rewards chart? This is crazy. <laughs> I love this thing. Like you're the first people I've seen who've put together – you know, when Kickstarters go on for a while, they tend to have, like, this spaghetti of rewards, and you can't yeah. keep track of anything. So I love this chart just that you have on your Kickstarter website that tells me with what dollar amount I gave um, what I'm actually getting. This is fantastic. What yeah, gave you well, this idea? <laughs> uh, I have seen it on one or two other campaigns, oh, okay. uh, but but it's... I, I have done – I mean basically I studied graphic design way back in college like you know, 10 years ago now. And so I'm, I'm a bit of a design nerd. I like charts and things like this. Um, and then also because you can't update the sidebar, which I totally understand Kickstarter's uh, reasoning on that. They don't want you to drop rewards right. from people who have already backed. Um, but the bad thing is you can't add anything either. Right. And um, as we kept getting requests uh, from people and – I mean basically we – Kind of as the campaign went along, we're like, hey, let's let's sweeten the deal a bit. You know, let's try to to give some extra rewards to people. And so we put that in the page, but you have to scroll way down and do a little bit of reading. Um, so, yeah, the chart is kind of the shortcut to see, like, exactly what you get in a quick summary form uh, for any given given tier that you want to back at. You have one of the more visually appealing yet without it being hard to read lists of tiers that I've seen. So I really appreciate that because sometimes people just populate it with a bunch of icons and tiny little text and you have, it's impossible to read. You guys go with little bullet points and it's like simple. And I really like that. Well, yeah. and I like Thank that you. sort of drop chart where it's like yeah. at $15, you get ping, 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 ping. And it says $15 yeah. beside it. So I know that's what I'm getting. I, I mm-hmm. donated more than $15. All right, but- so there is three days left on this Kickstarter, right? So... Yeah, it ends at Tuesday uh, on Tuesday at midnight Central Time, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so yeah, one a.m. Yeah. Wednesday, March thirteenth. Mm-hmm. Right. So if people want that uh, that four player deathmatch and horde mode. They got to really kick go, it in the gear. Go 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 go! go. Yeah. All right. So tell your friends and and pledge if you're interested in this, folks. Um, Manny, John, anything to add? Just uh, how big is your team? 
it's three people right now, and uh, we have several contractors and and people who work with us from time to time. Like our sound guy uh, would be in addition to that, but three full time. Uh, I'm the uh, the main kind of artist illustrator. We have one programmer, and then uh, Ryan Burrell is our uh, kind of scripter, level designer, jack of all trades, web designer. <laughs> and who's doing music for the game? His name is Nathan Lee. Okay. Um, he's actually out in California. We used to work with him, and, and he worked with uh, uh, Stom, who you mentioned earlier as well. Oh, cool. Has he done uh, music for anything else we might recognize, or is this a new thing for him? Or um, yeah, well, he did music for um, for a bunch of DS games that we, uh, well, basically all of us worked on at kind of the, the com- company we used to work at, uh, Black Lantern Studios. Okay. Um, so, it, yeah, a lot of DS kids games. Um, I'm trying to think of what his kind of most notable game he worked on would be, and I, I can't think off the top of my head or know for sure which ones he did music for at this point. Sorry. Okay, that's cool. That's fine. So, yeah, I'm, always, I'm well, always interested tell, uh, in music. <laughs> Go ahead. Are oh, you saying what, uh, what style of music are you guys going for with Delver's Drop? Um, basically, uh, the way we've kind of been talking about it is sort of a a mix of like you know your typical kind of symphonic um, like 32 bit era RPG with mm. some kind of medieval influence, which is a little hard for me to quantify. I'm I really like music. I'm not as good talking about it. Um, but, you know, a mix of, of some kind of like older sounding instruments with a bit of chip tune. So it's kind of this blend of like, uh, uh, well, uh, for me, like really a nostalgic blend, um, you know, of, of having some some of those instruments that sound a little bit chip tune here and there just to kind of add flavor. But with this this undercurrent of like your, you know, kind of epic RPG without like getting into uh, the like Latin chanting or anything like that. So really, really driving like a little bit of a techno edge here and there is kind of the goal. But but overall uh, kind of more symphonic. Sweet. All right. Um, goodness. I feel like we covered a lot. <laughs> um, <laughs> anything else, guys, that we need to throw in here? Because this, uh, this is looking to shape up pretty good. I'm no. excited to play more of the game. Yes. All right. So, um, you know, you're going to hit funding here soon. Um, when would people who are backing you look to expect to see something um, like these early alphas or early betas? Do you have any sort of time frames yet or no? Yeah, the goal right now is um, if you if you back at the twenty five dollar level or above, um, you get access to the um, basically the earliest version we're releasing to the public, which is the closed alpha, um, and that is currently projected at late June. Um, and then the the closed beta will occur uh, the uh, the following or sorry in, in August. Uh, and we'll also have an open beta for anyone who pre-orders at the $15 tier, um, basically kind of open it more up to the public and to general pre-orders. And that occurs in September uh, with the game releasing in October. So I know that's kind of a lot of days, but basically you get to play it uh, over three months early if you uh, if you get access to the alpha. Well, that's great. And people at home, please keep in mind that game development is a liquid process. So if those dates slide, don't be mad at him. <laughs> yeah, and we, we will update. Like, we want to be as transparent as possible uh, if anything needs to change. So we will definitely alert everyone on Kickstarter and on our website uh, and, and kind of explain why if yeah. if a date has to change. Either, well, e- either late or, I mean, maybe even early. Who knows? Uh, we're we're going to try to uh, try to be as efficient as possible uh, and not... Uh, obviously turn into any kind of um you know like 
project that just goes on forever. <laughs> All right. So how should people uh, follow and keep up with what's going on with the game? Uh, well, right now we're posting most of our updates to Kickstarter. Um, we're going to sort of transition to doing that uh, more on our website and Kickstarter as we as we move on. Um, and uh, we also have a Facebook. Uh, if you just basically facebook.com slash Delvers Drop, all sort of one word. Um, we're also on Twitter, uh, which is at Delvers Drop. Uh, so we, we post on all of those pretty frequently. Um and oh, you if, guys have um, DelversDrop.com. Fantastic. So. Yeah. Yeah. And we're, um, like I said, we'll be posting more updates and everything there. We also have a newsletter, which you can uh, sign up for on our website. So, yeah, lots of ways to get in touch. Um, people can also email us. Uh, we have a specific email address kind of set up for the Kickstarter campaign, which is ks at pixelscopic.com. Um, and uh, or you can just leave leave comments, tweet at us, kind of however you want to get in touch. We'll we'll find a way to get back to you. All right. Well, thank you so much for talking to us this morning, Ryan. This game's looking like it's shaping up, and this Kickstarter is looking to be one of the successful ones. I'm excited to see what comes from it, um, folks. We're going to take a break, and then we're going to be back with the rest of our RPG cast. Thank you, Ryan. And uh, well, thank you. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, Ryan Baker, again, for joining us for that nice interview about Delver's Drop. If you'd like to fo- you know, keep up with them, like we said, they got a Kickstarter going, they got a website, and uh, you can also vote for their game on Steam Greenlight, and you go check them out at PAX East if you're in the area. So, Pixel Scopics, their company, Delver's Drop's the game, and now it's time to talk about what we've been playing. Manny, do you want to kick us off? No. No? Not really. <laughs> Aww. All right, well, we'll come back to you. John, have you been f- fighting more giant robot games? John? John is lost in space. Ugh, I'm so tired. Let me grab a cup of coffee. Chris, <laughs> what you been playing? Oh, my gosh. People are people are abandoning. Um, all right, what have I been playing? Well, I've been playing some Etrian Odyssey 4. I've been continuing on with that, delving into dungeons and fighting large FOEs. Um, still loving that game. Um, it is, it, you know, it's quite a time commitment game, but, uh, yeah, it, it, it doesn't disappoint. What? And it, huh? Yeah. Hello. I... What? Hi. What? Hello. Oh, that was weird. All right. Anyway, so Etrian Odyssey 4, keep going. <laughs> is I'm keeping going with it and, uh, enjoying the, uh, I still haven't unlocked any of the, the special classes. So I'm wondering when that's going to happen. So I have to keep plodging through i'm only to the second labyrinth in the second world um there's i don't know how many there are so i'm continuing on with that but i don't have anything new to tell you about it other than it's still a dungeon diving rpg and it's really good and everyone should play it who's interested in that in that um i've also been playing a lot of the new wow patch which added a whole new island with a whole new set of dailies and um uh, new raids and stuff like that so i've been uh playing a lot of world of warcraft and doing doing the new island where all the interest is and there's tons of people on it and it's really exciting and people are running around in packs killing rare monsters and like the horde is actually a horde because there's a horde of people running around causing terror on the island and attacking alliance and, and stuff it's really cool so <laughs> really liking that <laughs> so that, that's what i've been up to john let's try this again 
My friend, in England, you've been playing stuff with missiles in it, you said. Oh, yes. Yes. I have been playing stuff with missiles in. All right, so how's that been working? Missiles. All right. I like missiles. Yes. Um, so, yeah, my copy of um, Macross 30, uh, Voices That Connect the Galaxy, arrived on, um, I think it was Thursday. What is and this been... for? This is for PS3. Okay, so this is a new Macross game? It's a new Macross game that came out to celebrate the 30th anniversary of Macross, which was first broadcast in uh, 1973. Well, 1983. I can't add today, I has the dumb. Mm-hmm. Yes. First broadcast in 1983, so they've released a PS3 game um, to commemorate the 30th anniversary. Um, as it turns out, it is a Monster Hunter clone. Oh, with, as with in, Max. Namco Bandai have have caught the Monster Hunter fever and realized that, hey, you know, if you want to make a big console game in Japan, just turn it into a Monster Hunter clone, right? Yes. Is Entrati Hunter cloned? As what, Trotty? sorry? Oh, is Entrati Hunter. <laughs> um, yeah, it, I was actually quite surprised because I have a couple of the, I have one of the older uh, Macross games that they've sort of released semi-recently for the, for the PSP. Uh, and the PSP game kind of follows a, um, like the primary, uh, there are two sort of primary single player modes. One of them is a sort of, um, uh, is a kind of like pseudo visual novel esque thing where you, um, where your main character enrolls in the flight school that's featured in, uh, Macross Frontier. And you sort of, the character that you create gets involved with, uh, some of the plot elements that are presented in the anime and you sort of fly on various missions that are styled after various events, the plot events that happen in, in the anime, and you fire lots of missiles and shoot lots of things. Right. Um, but there is also like a kind of um, like standalone uh, mission mode where you can also use your customized character to basically play through a bunch of missions that um, kind of sum up the plots for the previous uh, Macross series, like the original series, the movie that summarizes the original series, the OVA, Macross Plus, Macross 7, and so on and so forth. Um, and I was kind of expecting... I was sort of expecting that, but with better graphics. Um, but what I got instead was um, they've crafted this kind of like original uh, story where you play a, a new character, um, which is set one year after uh, the finale of Macross Frontier, uh, which I think is 2060. I'd have to check that. Um, and instead of this kind of just like kind of sort of standard mission-based sort of progression where you just sort of you know start mission shoot missiles at everything finish mission and just repeat for 50 times um what i instead found when i uh, started the game up was um when i took off from the uh my carrier craft um i was presented with this kind of moderate large size sort of open area with um npcs flying around for me to shoot at and there were some friendly npcs who were also shooting at things and in order to unlock like uh, I was given a um, a very basic VF zero Valkyrie, which is sort of chronologically one of the first fighters produced in the Macross universe. And in order to unlock uh, new fighters for me to use, I had to um, gather uh, blueprints for more recent Valkyries, and then go and collect drops and have the mechanic on board the ship craft all of the junk that I picked up into new Valkyries for me to fly. Uh, I mean, I haven't. I'm not actually that familiar with Monster Hunter, but the fact that there is this kind of open world 
esque thing where I can take side quests and I have to basically craft new rides kind okay. of struck me as a sort of Monster Hunter thing. Well, the way it works usually in Monster Hunter is you have to grind a lot of the, the lower tier monsters to build up armor sets so that you can kill a stronger monster. And then you start grinding that level of monster to build up better armor sets and stuff so you can do the next level monster. And the game is really about, you know, some armor and equipment and then a lot about you learning skills and how to manage the controls. Right. Yes, make- that's the part where I see the di- where I'm getting the disconnect is I don't like I don't understand like when I think Monster Hunter I think you're running around a big environment well at least broken up environments but maybe more like bottles you know sort of like there's a funnel at each end and then you sort of like wide in the middle and you and you're running around and you see it's like I just I don't get it. you're running around in space and there's just a bunch of zentradi pods and you blow them up and then you collect their scrap and then there's another pond and you blow it up and you're sort of just flying around wandering like what's the structure uh well generally um there is a um a storyline to follow um with most <laughs> quite a bit of which i i sort of unfortunately lost due to the uh, language barrier the um <laughs> and the fact that it's also original an original story means that i can't rely on anime knowledge the same way that i do in super ever wars to understand the plot but, um, so you're not running around in this open world area well, I am, well, I'm not running around. I'm flying around. <laughs> but you're in space. Uh, no, the game takes place on a um, – in the opening portion – in like the opening scene of the game, the main character is shot down above a, uh, a rather uh, quiet planet. So and what, uh, so most of the game actually – What are you killing? Sorry? Uh, you- most, of the, uh, most of the enemies so far have either been uh, rogues and Tradi, because they're still around uh, – Bandits, um, natural wildlife, uh, and protoculture ruined monsters. Okay, so there you go. Now I see the Monster Hunter. Yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, I mean, my only real complaint about it so far is the gameplay itself is pretty fun. Um, You know, the, the, the control scheme is a little complicated to accommodate the fact that you have a, you know, a transforming unit. Um... But the, my only real complaint so far is just um, the the environments do get reused just a little bit. But then again, I'm I've only um, I've only like I use the phrase unlocked. I've only visited two of these large open areas so far because I haven't progressed that far in the plot. Um, you know, what? I just think it's funny what Master Chief said. I wonder if uh, Japanese players give Monster Hunter derivatives as much crap as we give COD derivatives. <laughs> we probably should. <laughs> hmm. um, well, I mean, the thing is, I've never really played a Monster Hunter game. I'm not really that interested in them, but, you know, the fact that this is a, you know, a license that I do have a lot of interest in, I think kind of just bypasses my usual, like, distaste that I would otherwise have. For... So you've never played even, like, one of the Fantasy Star PSP ones or anything like that? Uh, no, I've only, as far as Fantasy Star is concerned, I only have played, uh, uh, the Dreamcast one. Let me think the, of all the, go ahead. And the, um, the new, the new one, uh, cause I was in the beta and the open game for, um, Fantasy Star Online 2. I'm thinking about it. There's like about a Monster Hunter clone for every franchise you can think of that's big in Japan. All right. There's a, there's a Final Fantasy one. Is which that- will never come out here, right? Um, huh. the Final Fantasy Monster Hunter clone? Wasn't the one, the one on the PSP? Uh, well, God uh, Eater? I'm sorry, what did you say, John? Type Zero? 
I think oh, so. That's a that's a Monster Hunter clone. No, I don't think so. I don't. Think I so remember either. it was originally conceived of it. It might have changed. It might. I, I, it may have been originally conceived as one type. Uh, type Zero to me kind of feels like um, uh, uh, Kingdom Hearts with blood and gore. Yeah, you know, I was thinking of when it was first announced. They showed it. Was, it looked very much Monster Hunter, but yeah, that game definitely changed by the time it came out. Mm. You know, the uh, truth is, I don't follow up on Final Fantasy games, so it's like this is what it was when it was announced. Okay, that's I think. What it is well, I mean, as far as Macross is concerned, um, the it, it, while it may be a Monster Hunter game, and it may not be a very good one. Cause, I mean, I, I don't really have much to compare it to. And it's good fan service, at least. Yeah, it, it is very faithful to the series. Um, you know, the, the the machines themselves are kind of well designed. Uh, and they look pretty nice on the this is actually one of the problems with the PSP game was in order to uh keep the processor speed high during the PSP one, they kinda had to reduce the quality of the models slightly because of how many missiles were flying around. And this is a minor problem on the uh the PS three version when you get into a massive fight between um like your NPC assistance and uh, lots of enemies is the number of missiles can actually chug the PS3. Not much, but the frame drop is noticeable. Ooh, Master Chief points out we may have been thinking of Lord of Arcana, Manny. Manny. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think that's the one. That was still For Square what? Enix, but... Yeah, that was a Square no, Enix No, no, no. I, 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 I'm just thinking of something very specific. Like oh, when okay. it was first announced, one of the, those games was very de- deliberately a Monster Hunter clone, and then there was still like a card battling mechanic... And that game was changed very drastically later. No. Oh, okay. And I wasn't talking about Fantasy Star Universe, the most recent Fantasy Star PSP game. Oh, um, uh, I think I know which one you mean. Yeah, that's what I was talking about with the Fantasy Star Monster Hunter clone. Because yeah. I, I, I remember watching the actual commercials for that, and they were straight up saying, you and your four friends, Monster Fight Big... I, I can't remember the name of that game. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, Master Chief. It didn't come. It didn't become a Monster Hunter clone. It changed completely. It wasn't that at all. I just remember an E3 once. I was at the Square Enix booth and I saw that thing. I'm like, oh, that looks like Monster Hunter. And then, oh, that game has been delayed two years, and that's not what it is at all anymore. <laughs> mm. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I mean, I said, I, I, it may not be uh, may not be one of the best games I've played, but it is certainly enjoyable. <laughs> you know, Anything I, else? Oh, sorry. Oh, uh, yeah, the other game I've been playing, which funnily enough also just happens to feature missiles um uh i've gotten back into playing um the metroid prime trilogy um now i really like these games like a lot uh i remember picking up a import copy of the original metroid prime when it first came out for gamecube and i hadn't really played a metroid game before aside from some snippets of um uh super metroid on the snes which at the time didn't grab me you know sacrilege heresy whatever um but when I first played Metroid Prime, I was, like, hooked. Proper hooked. And um, I've, uh, I've pre- I have previously finished both Metroid Prime and Metroid Prime 2. I never played 3 because I couldn't get the control scheme. Um, but I've kind of just recently sort of started playing all three of them at sort of roughly the same time using the uh, Wii... Um, uh, the Wii Trilogy version. Right. Um, and I, it's really fun. Um you know, there's not really a lot I can say about it. it it's it's it, I, what I will say is um, I know it's been stated repeatedly that for a lot of um, older games that um, tried to make the leap from 2D to 3D, um, 
I think Metroid is probably one of the most successful. Nice. All right. I need to play those games. Yes, you do. Yeah, I really, really do. Oh, Manny, now would you like to tell us about what you've been playing? Who, me, Nathan? Or, yes. Okay, good timing. I just came back to the couch. Okay, good. (laughs) All right, so how about you ask me about what I've been playing? So... I just did. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what you're saying. How about you ask me about ladies with gigantic breasts? Um, can I not? Then I can't talk about what I've been playing. Oh, really? Is that that's your entirety of gaming has been centered around um, memories? Have you guys heard of this new free-to-play MMO called Scarlet Blade? No. Should I have? It's on the front page of the. Actually, I don't know. It's on the front page of RP Gamer. Yeah, it is. All right, it's I'm, on the sidebar. I'm, I'm looking. I'm looking. Scarlet Blade. Scarlet Blade. Oh, there it is. Invent in. Pre- oh yeah, yeah. I was gonna plug this later. All right. Oh, that was you. So you could just tell us about it. Great. Yeah, I can't tell just tell Scarlet you about Blade. it. All right. So uh, Area Games is uh, pushing hard. I think really hard. This is their like. What they're the putting heck? all their marketing money behind this and all their power. <laughs> Sorry, listening to Chris's reactions is going to be rather amusing here. He's- Character models, they're legal? Uh, <laughs> Alright, sorry, go well, ahead. They're definitely not underage with memories like that. I know, but it's just like, this This is this must be rated um, oh, yeah, AO, it, it, right? Uh, look, if you read my impression, I don't, I don't mince words. I don't, I don't joke. This is softcore porn. Okay. They're naked. And so, everyone... Alright, every... so this is a softcore porn MMO? Yeah. Okay. How is there actually any gameplay, or is it just watch the boobs jiggle? There's it's both. Oh. Okay. Is, no, is, I mean, is the gameplay if, if any you good? Read my, oh, if you okay. read my impression, I compare it to I say this is like the gaming equivalent. This is the gaming equivalent of Hooters. Ah, or Maxis, right? No, 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 of Hooters. <laughs> of Hooters. Okay. So I'm so saying because, like, you know, you. But the thing is, would you you'd probably only go to Hooters once if right. the chicken wings weren't any good, right? Right. It's the you know you go for the pretty ladies, you go for the cleavage, you go for the environment, you go for the atmosphere, and then you stick or you keep them coming back because you like the chicken wings. Otherwise, you probably only go once. And yeah, underline the core of what Scarlet Blade is is a pretty standard but solid free to play MMO. With like you know, big PvP focus, like 160 person battles, free, like big open world PvP areas, PvP arenas. There's you know the whole PVE storyline where you're trying to stop these alien invaders, and only your, and only this set of buxom, <laughs> genetically engineered super soldiers can stop them. Their trailer says not safe for work. No kidding. <laughs> Seriously, Chris, what were you expecting? Oh, no, they, it's a pun. Not safe for wimps. Oh, okay. This trailer is NSFW. Not safe for so, wimps. So, yeah, I, I mean, uh, I mean, there's full... Well, not full nudity. I, I asked very blunt... No one was willing to ask bluntly, but I was... I'm the, you know, I'm the kind of person when I get bored or if I just get... I'm just sick of BS. I just straight up say, so how much nakedness is in this game? Who gets naked and how much do you see? I just straight up ask... <laughs> Wow, Manny. No one else wow. task. No, that's great. And so what was their answer? So here's – okay. So um, so uh, 
all the character classes and many of the NPC, except for one, one except one character class. I'll get back to her later. But so most of the character classes, most and a lot of the NPCs, the women one particularly, um, they can get fully topless or they can wear see-through clothing or they're wearing lingerie and you can see their nipples, you can see their breasts, like all around it. You 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 can see their their asses, but you never see their vagina. Okay, that's covered up by like a permanent like. Like a hexagonal body. Oh yeah, cover. yeah. They just showed one on this trailer here. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. Uh, there is one character. There is one character class who they actually added close to in the U.S. version. That's really? the lolly character. Oh, because the underage. All right. Sort of like how Tara added some stuff to the thing. Yeah. I think in Korea she was naked. Uh huh. Not really like, but when I say naked, I mean topless. Yeah, I know. Yeah. But they, I think they permanently added some clothes to her yeah. to avoid some awkwardness. Okay. Right. Some awkwardness, yeah. And um, what else was I going to tell you? Yeah, it's interesting though. Like, like literally, the first t- time I put when I went into this world, I walked in, and you know, you know, I'm, I'm awakened. I'm a new character class, and the first NPC you see is well. The interesting thing is all the NPC character interactions with women. It's framed from like the belly button up to their up to their head, okay. and they seem to always be a little bit short of breath. So. <laughs> Ah. <laughs> so you know breath shaking up and down uh-huh. and the very first person who introduces you into this world is wearing this little see-through camisole with these I'm just, I have to be blunt not safe for work very you can very clearly see her nipples shining through as pink as the day shining through a little pink camisole like so that's pretty much what you're in for and I'm, yeah go ahead yeah it's a little silly but like I say in the in in the event impression is that you know, there's there's an entire group of pe- – there's a lot of people who I hear constantly from who say, you know, if I'm going to stare at someone's ass in a game for the next 40 hours, I prefer it be a cute girl's than a guy's mm-hmm. or, you know – or I love – what was the other thing I said? I forgot. But basically, you know, there's there's a lot of people. There are people who like mature environments and mature character models. There's like an entire – their entire community is built around that in, uh, in Second Life and, and other games like that. So I, I feel like if this if this kind of titillation is what you want, pun intended, at, at least at the very least there's a there's you know there's a there's a solid MMO at least it seems like a solid free to play MMO underneath that you can play while you're doing it. And it's, there's also like a nightclub where you uh you can warp to and hang out with friends called the Lila Club, and your character models have unique. <laughs> They have unique uh, sort of dance animations when they're there, and they instantly – oh, convenience. They instantly sort of teleport there in their lingerie, so when they appear. Oh, for goodness there. sake. You know what I've but, noticed? I'm looking through uh, their website, and they purposely don't have that younger-looking model in any of their trailers or screenshots or anything. Yeah. It, it looked, they got a glimpse of one in one of the trailers, and I haven't seen any clear views where you see the younger-looking character so that's interesting how they're just trying to keep that out of the of the discussion for now uh, it seems like i'm be- like it's weird because i um, i mean uh, i was i think probably the best part of that of that event is that i got to you know meet several other j- people and journal- uh, several other uh, games press and we got to just chat and talk about it and reading their impressions i think they handled it very very professionally and well not that i did it but like in a way this sort of like they maybe one paragraph addressing you know the character models and how they were dressed or like the suggestive nature of it, and then they went into the mechanics, like the nitty gritty of the mechanics. And for me, when I was there, I thought like you know, 
I feel like I've seen this demo before. It's just an, it's just a free to play MMO, another competent, you know, free to play MMO. Which is at this point, you should be able to make one of those. You know. So is do you feel like the game play what you played was interesting at least? Well, that's what I'm, well, that's, that's what I'm getting to. Is that like at its core, it's just like you know, a solid free to play MMO. Which yeah. at this point, you should be able to know how to make. All right, and so, they seem so to know how to make. Everyone should know how to make at this point. Right. There's plenty of examples of what not to do, what to do, and what not what and, to do wrong. And so area games this... certainly has their experience with free to play, so they should know. How exactly. To do so yeah. what sets this game apart is you know the visuals, the and if that's what titillates you and that's what gets you going, I say more power to you, man. Go have some fun in this world with other with other like minded people. Mm-hmm. I see. I'm at... Yeah. Man, the role-playing community in that game is going to be the stuff of legends. Oh my, good point. <laughs> so I guess, but I guess what I'm basically saying is, if you're interested in the visuals, there's a, a you know, there's a a standard MMO underneath. I'm not here to judge you. Go for it. Have fun. <laughs> ah, <laughs> standard MMO. All right. Uh, so what else happened to Santa Monica, Manny? Um, I, I can't. I can't talk too much about it. I just want to mention that I saw. I visited Larian Games, and I'll have some more to say about that later. And if you remember, they're the they're the Divinity people. Oh, Divine Divinity, Divinity, Yeah, they're doing Original Sin and Dragon Commander right now. O- original Sin. Yeah, Divine Divinity, Original Sin. Oh, right. That's a. Is that a new game or a remake? Um, it's a new game. It's like a prequel sort prequel? of thing. Yeah. Okay. Cool. <laughs> Anna says another prequel. Uh, all right. I like how Bester she says, "I'm not here to judge you." Tends to mean I'm judging the crap out of you. No, actually, I'm pretty. I'm pretty. Re- I'm pretty relaxed about this kind of stuff. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I. I'm. I'm serious. If you know me, I'm not judging you in the least. Okay. I'm just here to report that you know. I, I feel like they should have been more upfront with. Like this is what the game is. This, like, that's what I'm saying. The visuals that is the game. Otherwise, you can play a hundred other MMOs. Why would you pick this one? Well, it's because You're of the titillation. The yep. No, so I mean, just I, I say, be proud of it. Area games, just live it up some more. All right. I want to know how proud Microsoft is of their stores, Manny. Can you tell me? Um. So I was. I I live pretty close by to one of the only Microsoft stores in Southern California. This is where they Probably regularly live. have dance breaks, or did they stop doing that? I have no idea. All I know is that if there wasn't for this Gears of War community event, that store would have been empty. Ah. Okay, so what was the Gears of War community event about? Eh, it's just some crappy community event. The standard thing where people awkwardly stand around while they wait for their raffle number to get called so they can win some stupid crap they don't really need and then play like five minutes of a game that they're going to buy anyway and they didn't need to come out to this event for. What was the game they were showing off? Oh, Gears of War Judgment. What, is that like the? Is that Gears of War Four then? I don't know. No, what, Ge- I don't no, know anything about Judgment. judgment. I, oh, it's, it's just, a prequel. Oh, okay. All right. And it was just some multiplayer modes, and it was a lot of standing around and taking pictures of people who are getting hyped. On the count of three, give me say, say hey, let's come on over. Uh, right. Gears, woo! Gears, What was the crappiest swag at the event? Um. Apparently, this was the best swag in quotes. The uh-huh. best swag in quotes was um, this portable. Like, imagine this gigantic plastic box that you can put your Xbox 360 in, and it has it like a shitty LCD built in with some shitty speakers. And 
you can use that, and it's not even it doesn't even have a battery pack. It's just like a, a slightly more portable TV, and then you can plug in oh. your Xbox 360 to some portable outlet. So, wait, portable out? Oh, so it's not battery not powered. Not so portable. I mean, there's just some outlet. An outlet. So, so it's it's kind of like that television attachment for the old PlayStation One. Yeah, but no battery. Just plug it into a wall. Just plug it into a wall. So this is makes except, it 360 also, portable. Also, except it's sort like of. three times the size. Three times the size. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. That was the best swag. What was the worst swag? In quotes. The worst swag in quotes was probably just a, you know, ugly t-shirts. Ugly t-shirts. All right. But at least they made they got the made in American apparel. So I'm probably gonna wear it just well, because it's a nice fitting shirt. <laughs> no, no. Well, they have it. You know, actually, if the material is good, that's that's kind of the best thing you can hope for in a free T-shirt. Um, what about yeah, no, no crappy Ignore stickers? The graphics. Yeah, no crappy stickers or anything. Uh no, no. Okay. Good. I, I have to learn better. I, I I shouldn't. I think I'm jaded. I'm so jaded at this point that, that you shouldn't a, a go. Crappy... What? Oh, sorry. Say again. No, go ahead. Go ahead. No, There's I just say I'm so jaded at this point that I think I can't go to community events anymore. Oh. Because all I see is just the PR merger. No, no, but you got I, like so, Call of uh-huh. Duty Blops 3, right? You got like tons of cool stuff out of that, Oh, right? that's different though. That's like Amazon spending a hundred, like $100,000 for no good reason. Oh, that was Amazon? <laughs> oh. Yeah, I don't know why they did that. It was the dumbest thing they could do because like hardly I, – I don't understand where the, where the PR comes into it. Because literally only a handful of people at UCLA knew about it. <laughs> and then, it's like, like, they barely even posted pictures on their Facebook page. Wow. So it's like, literally, just like, what are we going to do with this extra $100,000 we have? Let's throw a party <laughs> at UCLA at the House of Blues okay. and give everyone a free copy of Call of Duty. Okay. Two free like copies. A- <laughs> huh? You got two free copies out of that, right? I, I just, I don't understand why they did that. Literally, I can't see any marketing value in it whatsoever. All right. All right. Well, I. You know what? That makes for good podcast stories, so I hope you keep going to these things. <laughs> okay, they do make for good. You know, I keep going to them, though, because, like, the Microsoft store, I live, like, I go walking to it on a regular basis. Just, you know, for, like, a nice little walk, and then I go get some, like, noodles at the ramen place, which is Ooh. surprisingly good for a mall ramen store. Nice. So I just figured, oh, I'm in the area. I'll walk over. Let's see what's up. Because right. I figured even as bored as I am, it's just, like, a, you know, 15-minute t- walk home. So we gave we gave some time to Microsoft here. We need to also give some time to Sony. What do you have to say about the PlayStation Three? I effing hate my PS Three. Oh, ouch! I okay, love so my PS Three. <laughs> Go ahead. PS Three, such a bloated piece of crap. <laughs> it just it just feels it just sounds like a dying old man on a respirator. So it's your so PS Three is 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 noisy. Something went wrong. It's wheezing all the time. And, you know, I'm trying to play, uh, what's it called, uh, Double Summoner, right? Yeah. And this PS3 is just like, so, you know, it's so loud that I'm like, oh, this is a pretty good cutscene. I'm like, oh, oh, oh that's I'm just going to stop. I'm done. <laughs> All right, well, I like my Vita. I wanted to put a little plug here that the uh, patch 1.05 came out for Hotshots World's Golf in Hotshots Golf World Invitational. So, if you have been holding off on that, um that game is like super cheap now. It's on sale and even more on sale if you have PlayStation Plus, and it's got the big patch that we've been waiting for, which 
adds a bunch of new online features and modes and stuff like that and lays the stage for the upcoming DLC where they'll add new courses and new golfers. So if you're into hot shots, um, you might want to know about that. Um, yeah. All right. Let's move on to feedback. I'm thinking of getting a PS2. Should I get a PS2, the slim one? Yeah. Just to play one game, though? It's yeah, like 100 bucks for one game. Oh, well, then no. Use an emulator. Huh, I guess so. And no, you, as someone in the chat said, oh, is that I should probably get my PS3 cleaner repaired. That is a new PS3, and I keep the thing... Not only do I keep it immaculate, I keep it covered at all times so there's no dust ever gets into it. I've hardly used it since I got it replaced. It's just old 60-gig PS3 hardware is big and noisy. Hmm. All right. Let's oh, see. and I think it, I think it spans up more when you're playing PS2 games because it actually has to use the disk drive a lot more. I just hear accessing constantly. Not like any of that data is like stored or helping stream off the drive. Yes, so give me some feedback. All right, first feedback letter from Master Chief says, hey, I want to add to the Nook hate party. Um, he points out some stuff about the Barnes & Noble going through some financial issues. Someone's trying to buy them back, and I know there's some back and forth in that this week. Um, there's there's speculation that the Nook is going to be on its way out, and he thinks that our letter writer from last week should sell his Nook and uh, buy a Nexus 7 instead and just download the Nook app for it. But... Uh, um Oh, that's more more info there for for our letter writer last week, uh, Seraphim. Um, but on to microtransactions. Some comments on microtransactions. Uh, the problem with microtransactions that were mostly conditioned by iOS games that microtransactions in a game mean that they be enjoy required to enjoy the game. Um, let's see. But he does point out Dead Space Three doesn't require purchasing microtransactions for enjoyment of the game. Um, the problem with EA isn't so much execution microtransactions, but of perception. And uh, if the announcement that all games will have microtransactions comes off not only as bragging, but trying to convince us that we want them, why else would they make a huge statement about how awesome they are? Um, yeah, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the, the interesting thing about this is that EA came out this week and uh, had a clarification story. I don't know if you noticed this. You mean, oh, you mean backtracking story. Yes, they had a backtracking story. Um, Let's see if I can find it here. EA, EA, EA. Ah, yes. The headline, EA won't have microtransactions in all future games. Uh, their financial offender, Blake, officer, Blake Georgeson, clarified, um, while they will support the ability to include them, that doesn't mean that they all will actually have them. Um, <laughs> so they talk about new technology they're working on that allows them to handle in-house credit card processing, digital downloads, and manage a world in which there are more and more microtransactions as part of what we offer. And so... Did they say that at least that all... Wait, I think they said that all of their mobile games will at least have it, right? I, I'm just about to get to that. All of our mobile games will have microtransactions and then become almost all... Because almost all of them are going to a world where they are free to play. Um, and and those are, that's the future of uh, iOS gaming I will not participate in. Yeah. Yeah. <gasps> Be- My egg muffin is done. Ah, okay. <laughs> all right. So that's uh, that's our summary for for EA stuff, um, which is essentially saying that we're going to let all the games have the ability to have microtransactions, which means that if we can make the market accept it, we will put them into all the games. But, you know, whatever. There's your clarification. 
Uh, moving on, uh, Brennan writes and says, what popular non-RPG game franchise would you like to see made into an RPG installment? Some well-known series that have an RPGs are Mario, Sonic, Mega Man. Personally, I would like to see more sports or racing games take on RPG elements like Inazuma 11 did for soccer. Um, what do you got to say about this, John? Uh... Hmm. <laughs> No uh, no non-RPG franchises you want to see made into an RPG? Well, I suppose in a way, um, before the most recent iteration of it, um, uh, Macross wasn't really an RPG much. And then they went and made a Monster Hunter clone, which they call an RPG. <laughs> so I could have said that, and then they went and did it anyway. Mm. Damn. That's, good. That's a good point. Hmm. I'm trying to think. I, it doesn't usually go well, so I have to be really careful with it. Um, I, wanna, well, I want to. I think um, Sega tried to offset that by getting uh, Bioware to make the Sonic one. Uh, all right. I'm trying to think of a platform that would work good for this. I think a full-on Metroid RPG might work. Um, well, I suppose they uh, they were they were I don't know uh, busting genres when they turned it into an FPS for the Prime series. So. Right. Yeah. I, I would ex- I would personally I would expect a similar level of gnashing of teeth if nothing else. <laughs> actually, Metroid should be a Monster Hunter game, shouldn't it? That probably would actually what work. We're talking about games that should non RPG game franchises that should be have RPGs for them. I, I suggested oh. Metroid, but then realized that really where Metroid should probably experiment in is the Monster Hunter territory. Ugh, no, thank you. <laughs> uh, Noodle the Metroidvania. <laughs> Well, no, that's why I was thinking. It's so close with the Metroidvania type stuff. Just take it all the way to RPG. Yeah, but would you really want to grind in that kind of experience? Like, oh, great, I'm going to grind for this item that it now lets me open this new area so I can grind some more. Well, it depends <laughs> how the- you handle it. Um, I mean, it doesn't have to be a traditional RPG. Kirby oh, like apparently is a suggestion. Yeah, yeah, that's not bad. Well, that's not Master Chiefs. That's Noodle's suggestion. All right, Noodle. <laughs> oh, hey, Mario can- Kart RPG is suggested also. You know what was actually really good was the Mario Golf RPG. Mario Golf RPG? All right. So more of that would be fine. Yeah, more of that. Uh, Sailor Moon RPG? That exists, I'm sure, in Japan. <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah, I um, think that does already exist. Oh, Batman RPG, like Arkham. Hmm. Uh, I don't know. Maybe a portable thing. Uh, what else we need? How about a Funky Barn RPG, taking Wii U's hottest property and turning it into a... How about I'll settle for any RPG on the Wii? Yes. Um, how about <laughs> Animal Crossing? Could that used to be more of an RPG? Mm. Mm. All right. Well, mm. Cooking Mama RPG. Cooking Mama the RPG. All right. Questions? You go to you go to culinary school, <laughs> and whenever you level up, you get new new recipes. Eventually, Ooh. instead of building like and so you can, instead of building a castle, you build a restaurant. You see Cooking Mama holding up a spoon and gathering her her burst meter and getting ready to do um you know a limit break. Yeah, but but remember, Cooking Mama she she's she likes to be one with her environment. She understands what it takes, so she's out there harvesting. She when she wants meat, she gets out there and she kills it well, herself. That, actually, that means Cooking Mama should be the next MMO franchise. The Cooking Mama series. Cooking Mama MMO. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but- Hero, I need you for... What's, what's, what, let me get more racist. Hold on. No, no, uh, that's okay. <laughs> you don't need to. <laughs> that was already enough for the both of us. Metal Gear RPG. Ooh, I'll take that. They, they already tried a card game and it worked okay. I'll take the RPG. 
How about an actual Zelda RPG? One that's actually an RPG. I'll take that, too. All right. Um, let's see. Best foreign language RPG or game that you have played that has never been officially translated into English. Are there any notable good games you like that don't even have fran- translations? His picks Inks. are... Hold on. His picks are Soma Bringer by Monolith Soft and Seiken Densetsu 3, the sequel to Secret of Mana. If... If if you don't know my answer to this question, then you haven't been listening to this podcast long like enough. Like every Super Robot War game ever, right? Basically. Well, there's got to be something else that you haven't talked about. Huh. Hmm. No, I'm going to be too obscure. Well, Letter Writer says Soma Bringer and uh, Seiken Densetsu 3 both have pretty good fan translations. I, of course, would suggest Mother 3. I would like to see that out here. Um, I want Front Mission 5. Front Mission 5, okay. And uh, McMuffin Quest 11, based on... Yes, all right. <laughs> all right, next, thank you, Brennan. Uh, Ocelot writes in with the next letter. Shh, quiet. Sneak past Fairy, very slowly. Thief is coming in 2014. What do you all think? Discuss amongst yourselves in whispers only. I know nothing about this franchise, or even really care. Yeah, I never played the Thief games, but I saw Giant Bomb was playing them on their stream yesterday. They look look terrible. Yeah, they're very old, and they have sneaking, but it actually kind of looked cool from a stealthy perspective. I kind of like the stealth games, so I'm interested, though I'd rather have another Deus Ex game, which doesn't seem to be happening, because they're making the stupid Thief game instead. So that's my thoughts on Thief. Snake, would you like to save? (laughs) What do you think, John? Any thoughts on Thief? Uh, what they really need to do is to get the uh, the guy who made Shalebridge Cradle back in. I don't know what that is. It's a level in... Uh, crap, is it the original Thief or Thief 2? I can't remember. Oh, is that the so-called creepiest level ever? Yeah, the Insane Asylum. Oh, slash okay. Orphanage. <laughs> oh, boy. I, I remember uh, Karen Gillan, who was a... Who was a uh, former writer for uh, the PC Gamer magazine here in England. I can't remember what he does now. He's a, I think he's freelance. Um, wrote an absolutely excellent like four-page analysis article at one point about Shale, just specifically about Shalebridge Cradle. It's a really good read because it kind of summarizes the like the story of the cradle and how it was designed and how it is amazingly creepy. It, yeah, but yeah, if they can do that again, sure. Okay. Yeah, I don't mind if it if it looks good. I just don't know anything about it at this point. I need to find like a a YouTube walkthrough of Shellbridge Cradle so I can understand what's going on. Let's see. This one Shellbridge Cradle one Thief three according to this video. Was it? Um, was it? Was it Thief three? Huh. I don't know. Let's see on the wiki. Shellbridge is first seen in Thief Deadly Shadows. What is Thief Deadly Shadows? Is that the first game? Third game? I don't know. Whatever Thief Deadly Shadows is. Nobody knows anymore. It's too old. That must be oh, hang on. One. I think he's got... Uh, Kieran Gillen has the uh, the article posted on his website in PDF format. Oh, okay. Cool. I think it's this one. All right. Cool. Deadly Shadows. All right. So there we go. Um, let's see what else we got. Anyone heard of the... Anyone among the crew heard of Green Throttle Gaming? A tablet plus controller console all in one. What the heck? What is this? Another Android tablet? Gaming um, with its own platform and store and standards. 
It's an Android app that combines a home page with its own store, showcasing games, video, demo, and staff picks. I think you should um, stop reading. <laughs> yeah, it's a $40 controller, and it looks and feels like a lot like what you use on your Xbox. Um, okay. This is the QWERTY keyboard of game controllers. Blah, 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 blah. Generic. Um, so where is... Oh, there's a tablet as well. It's confusing. Play games on the big screen with the Arena and the Green Throttle Atlas controller. Okay, so there's a tablet you got to buy too? Huh. Who cares? None of us are ever going to get this. Oh, is it not is it not exist yet? Well, um, even if it did exist, oh, come on. Is anyone on this podcast going to buy it? Hmm. Genuine third-party support, they claim. They've sent out over 1,000 controllers to 500 developers. So is it a controller or a tablet? I don't get it. I don't care. Um, let's see. Uh, I don't know. So it sounds like it's a, a controller. So I'm really confused by this. This is a this is on VentureBeat, so it doesn't explain anything. Um, I don't know. Don't know anything about it. Sorry. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, who thinks Killer is Dead looks a lot like Metal Gear Rising, only with a filter on the camera? What's Killer is Dead? Killer is Dead is the new Suda game, or the new Grasshopper game, right? Oh, in that case, I didn't, I didn't pay and any attention to it. it's coming out here. All right. So, the, sorry, uh, Ocelot, nobody knows. All right, and we're going to deal with that next question in the news, so we're going to skip that for now. Weird question of the month. Choose your favorite RPG character. All right, Manny? Choose your favorite mm-hmm. RPG character. Who is it? Mm-hmm. Me. No, it's not you. Come on. No, I'm being serious. You. My okay. favorite games are when, are me in an RPG. Okay. Take the moment to imagine yourself as a giant robot. Okay, that's pretty cool. All right, now imagine that robot's protecting Tokyo from a rampaging horde of monsters. Who cares about... No. Um, protecting Los Angeles? Sure. Okay. Now your robot has leveled up to ultra mega mode, and you're really shiny. Okay, I guess. Are you interested in playing that game? No, not really. No, okay. The question is, though, <laughs> is do you have breast missiles? Oh, of course. You have to. <gasps> I forgot to tell you. There's In Scarlet Blade, there are mech suits. Uh-huh. Oh, no. So, But the funny thing is, you know, there's these big hulky mechs, right? And like maybe three times the size of the people. But strangely enough, the, the, the only the women are still exposed in it, but only their torso, especially their breasts. So what? you have it, this big metal machine it, that's yeah. Why would you expose? It, it's a it's a subgenre. It's a subgenre called Mecha Masume. Look it up sometime. Masume. Yeah, Mecha Masume. Okay. Just you might want to do that with safe search on the. Um. Oh, I don't ah, so that green throttle thing. <laughs> That's yeah. meant to combine with your Kindle Fire HD. So that's connect your Kindle Fire HD to the big screen using a micro HDMI cable, and you're ready for supersized gaming. So it sounds like it's a controller for Android tablets. Why don't you just get the Ouya then? Well, because you already have a tablet, and then you just need to add on this $40 controller and then download the Arena app and play whatever you want. So they're trying I to make know. it a $40 add-on to tablets you already own. Okay, okay. So that's, that's a little different. I guess. I just, fine, I fine, I see the point. But I kind of don't see the point, because why would in the world do you want to play a tablet game on your TV? Yeah, all right. Um, so, and, let's see, favorite RPG character. Who's my favorite RPG character? Um, I don't know, let's go with Locke from Final Fantasy VI. He's one of my favorites. 
um, as a giant robot. I don't think that would work very well. Protecting Tokyo, less sensible. And he's ultra mega mode. No, this fails. I don't think this game works. I'm, I'm vetoing this game. Yeah, man. And why is it so Japan-centric, honestly? Yeah. Yeah. It's racist. Then again, mech games are always good, and breast missiles are, are unnecessary to your defense, John. I don't even why you'd question whether or not you have breast missiles. Like, even male mechs have breast missiles. Come on. All right. So well, Actually, no, male mechs have crotch missiles, but still. I don't think I've seen them. Oh, wait, so that means you most other mechs effect? are female? Maybe. Hmm. Um... I was actually thinking there is a, there was a 70s mecha which did have uh, what appears to be what is probably meant to be sort of a missile located roughly in the belly button area, but for first-time players of Super Robot Wars, it looks a little bit lower. Oh, ouch. I, I still can't get was, over the Jehuti. This, Whenever this it's flying, quite... it looks like it has a giant erection. Uh, all right. Yeah, but I think that's just Hideo Kojima making you know Hide- jokes that only Hideo Kojima finds funny. <laughs> you get it? The robot has a penis. And you no, no, hair, no, no, Manny. Hair, hair, cockpit. Oh. oh. Terrible. Oh. Terrible. Wait, so is that where you actually go in? Yeah. Oh. And when he flies, it looks like he has a giant erection. Oh, that's terrible. It let's, is. let's move on to the news, people. All right. It's a very dirty episode today. Spider Studios has an announcement for you. They developed Fairy Legends of Avalon, and they're currently in development on Mars Warlogs. They've announced a new project called Bound by Flame. It's an action RPG. It'll be out on PC, 360, PS3 later in the year. Um, there's some story details here. Read the story for more on our site. Um, but the short version is you're going to control a mercenary who's been possessed by a fi- fire demon, hence Bound by Flame. And you have to struggle between using the power or taking a more heroic path since, you know, the power is evil. So that's new game announcement for you there. Go check that out if you're interested in those people's work. You already talked about Scarlet Blade. Moving on to Shadowrun Returns released a video. Did you check this out, Manny? I'm the one who posted on the website. Oh, yeah. I, I checked this whole thing out and um, looks good. Looks very um, XCOM-y tactical thing going on here, don't yeah, you think? that's exactly what they're going for. They even use the word Overwatch. Which was mm-hmm. interesting to me because I thought that was like kind of an XCOM thing, but I guess not. Yeah, but XCOM's like over twenty years old. I I was pleased to go into my Kickstarter account and realize I already backed this game, so I don't have to worry about buying it. So that's good. <laughs> and it sounds like um, they showed off some stuff, just like the Wasteland video. They showed off like how some of their Kickstarter high end supporters are being integrated to the game. They showed off they're showing off a side quest here, so you can watch this video without being spoiled to any part of the main story. They showed um cool little tactical RPG stuff going on with lots of guns and hacking and, and all that sort of stuff. Um and they also showed uh oh I forgot it already. Ah darn it. Anyway, go watch the video. Oh but the important thing to remember is that they built this using the editor which they're shipping with the game. So they're, oh. they're one of their big hopes is that community is going to make their own missions as elaborate as you want and they're going to distribute them through and distribute them to other players so in theory this game you know in in theory it could be like an endless source of content several new runs ah cool i like it i like it so go check out shadow room return see how that's shaping up um and then after you're done doing that think about sponsoring another kickstarter All right. poor now, man. No more. <laughs> in Exile, no the people making Wasteland 2, which looks they fantastic. They don't need your money. <laughs> okay. They announced another t- Kickstarter, this time for a, a, not a sequel, but a new game in the vein of Planescape Torment. 
So this will be called Torment Tides of Numenera. It's going to be based... Uh, I think we talked about this a little bit in the past, but now it's the Kickstarter is actually out. But like Numenera is kind of the source material that Planescape Torment originally got pulled out of. Became Planescape kind of became the D&D property, but, which evolved from Numenera, but now they're going back to Numenera because they don't have the D&D license and whatever. I don't know what's going on. Um, so anyway, Torment was set in the Planescape world. This is set in the Numenera world. That I do know. And this is going to be a new Kickstarter from the In Exile people. And it is, um, yes, Anna. Yes, this is in exile. They're working on Wasteland too. Okay, so why should we kickstart the game? No, <laughs> because they have two teams. All right, so they have a big video explaining why it's okay for them to be working on this other game because the other game isn't done yet, right? Because that's the biggest question, right? So, and they're saying, well, we've all our art and story people, they're done with Wasteland 2. Um, so, we kind of need to put them on something else so we can start them up on Torment and get things rolling with there. So, they want a 900,000. Where are they currently at? Uh, uh, two, almost 3 million. Yeah, two, no, no, 2.2 million right now. Okay, 2.2. 2.2 million. They did that in like a day. Um, oh, actually, they got to a million like in eight hours. <laughs> So this will probably be the newest, biggest Kickstarter by the time it's done. They got 27 days to go. Um, the last, the record to beat is their last Kickstarter for Wasteland Two. Their fastest hit one million, fastest hit two million. Um, you want to know what's funny though? Yeah, is that uh, nobody has any perspective. I feel like we don't have perspective on this. Yeah, because if we looked at the games that In Exiles actually shipped within the last decade, uh, they've not zero? been good. Did they actually ship any games? Hunted the Demon's Forge. Oh, they did Hunted. Ooh. Okay. What else? There was um, Choplifter HD for iOS. Okay. Um, Choplifter HD. Yeah. That was... um, No, that's not that good, is it? (laughs) I don't think that skill set applies to anything they're building now. So has Brian Fargo been there the whole time? It's his company. Oh, okay. So, yeah. All right. So here's what I like about this Kickstarter. A, right. they're getting money faster than they can come up with stretch goals. I think that's kind of funny and cool. Um, <laughs> so they keep having to come up with new stretch goals. They're kind of, I don't know. <laughs> they keep tacking them onto their image. B, there is a tier here for $45 that lets you, if you miss the Wasteland 2 Kickstarter, you didn't donate to it because you... You know, you, you wanted to see the game first. If you've been like, oh, man, I wish I got that. For 45 bucks, you can back and get a copy of Torment Tides of Numenora and a copy of Wasteland 2. DM room free for PC, Mac OS X, or Linux. So that's kind of cool. So it's a kind of well, a way to buy back in to both. But but uh, all they're really doing is selling the game to you retail before you before it comes out. Well, why is that? Because that's how much they're going to cost when they come out. What are What? How much? They announced the price. And, yeah, yeah they're gonna be like twenty-five to thirty dollars. Oh, I didn't know they were only gonna be twenty bucks or whatever. Okay. All of these Kickstarter games like only twenty dollars. I, I don't. I didn't know that we knew that for sure. Okay. I mean, you could still buy Wasteland Two from their website right now as a slacker backer, and it's like twenty-five bucks to buy in. Oh, I didn't know I could do that. Okay. Yeah, as a matter of fact, most of the reward tiers from Wasteland Two are still available if you wanted to get them. Oh. What about Project Eternity? <laughs> yeah, I think you can still buy that if you wanted to. That's a totally different company. All right. 
Um, Honestly, most of these Kickstarter games, the most they're going to cost, and that's if they, that's if the buzz is positive around them, thirty dollars. Okay. Man, that game hit almost four, four million. Project Eternity. I wonder when that's going to ship. Never. I wonder. Because, you know, it's so funny though. I just think it's kind of funny, and it, and, it, and it's kind of a weird, ironic sense where two companies who aren't really known for releasing solid or stable or even really good projects. Well, Obsidian has a better history than Ex- in Exile, don't you think? <sighs> yes and no. Even their, I even think they their... have a better history of storytelling. Yeah. Not necessarily delivering on their products. I don't know. Like, they did good with Neverwinter 2. They did good with, um... Well, Neverwinter did... 2 was how long ago? I don't know. It was a while ago, but... Okay, so they didn't do so good with Dungeon Siege 3, and Alpha Protocol is debatable, right? So... Well... It's still kind of broken, even at its best. Hmm. And, well, I don't well, mind thinking, broken so long as, you know, if I struggle I, with it a bit, I get through. Like, I care about broken, like, um, War in the North broken, where, like, oh, I lose projects. has locked up on me 15 times. But it doesn't delete your save progress. <laughs> that's, that's quite the high bar. People <laughs> completely disappear from their games and unable to ever get them back. I mean, Ooh, if you... Okay, an, that's bad, yeah. I mean, at some point, it feels like if you're going to get New Vegas, you're better off getting it on PC. So if it breaks, you can use the console commands to try to fix it. Ah, I'm glad I have it on PC. <laughs> on 360, just kind of SOL. Like if if Eddie disappears into a if if your robot friend disappears into a mountain and you can't get him out, that's it. Uh, all Stuck right. In a mountain. All right. Well, I got another story here about people who put out crap, putting out more crap. The writer. No, no, I just okay. want to say though. Um, I just think it's it's going to be interesting to see if how I I don't know. I don't think they can afford not to have these games run like a dream. Okay. We'll see. All right, go ahead. Well, well I'm. It, I will say that they look nice in the videos, but those are controlled. We can't trust them. Hmm. All right. Mass Effect series writer Mac Walters. So he's not the guy who wrote Mass Effect 1 and the novels that are good. This is Mac Walters, the guy who wrote the stuff that people aren't so hot about. He's writing an ongoing comic series called Mass Effect Foundation. Um, it'll be a direct co- tie into the new DLC Citadel and available on July 24th, which is forever from now. And it'll have new characters introduced and stuff like that. So who's excited for more Mass Effect 2 and 3 writers stuff? Wait, what is this, a comic or something? It's a comic. Oh. Yeah, not me. All right. Hey, man, you're stealing my material from my column that doesn't exist yet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, get on that then. Uh, so if you're not kickstarted out from the from the Tides of Numenera people, you may get a chance to be kickstarted out from Shenmue. Yu Suzuki is considering a Kickstarter campaign to crowdfund Shenmue 3. It's too much. You know I'm I'm a big you know I'm so pro Kickstarter. Yeah. I'm a big pro. pro I feel I, I'm just a bit too much at this point. Am I supposed to buy twenty games years before they come out in the you hopes know, that be and good? I'll tell you, I was I was halfway through pledging to forty five dollars for Tides of Numenera, and uh-huh. then I realized for the same reason I said no to Wasteland Two to begin with. Why do I need to buy these games years before they're out? This is a waste of my money. This is money that I could use for other things, uh, other games that actually exist, for something I don't know that's coming out, for rewards I don't need, for a game that I don't know if it's any good. Like, yes. This is, it's, it's becoming like, 
unless I have some sort of vested interest where I want to see this thing succeed, like I did with the pinball games, where I very much wanted to see a a, a recreation of um, the Star Trek pinball table and the Twilight Zone pinball table, and I'm happy to invest and even lose money on that. Um, I have no vested interest in Torment. I have no vested interest in Wasteland 2. Why do I care? And it's it's this weird temptation to be part of the thing and get it for cheap and early yes. and be part of the process. But I'm, I'm realizing that I don't think there's anything good in that. I think maybe you, at a certain point with these gigantic Kickstarter games, like the ones that have so much money, more than they ever need. Yeah. Uh, I. It's like, like I, I feel like at that point, you're not even like, like, what are you really adding? Oh, now you get like a fifth, like even stretch goals feel kind of, they, they feel kind of, there's this good like editorial on, on why stretch goals are, it can be BS at times. Yeah. Like you barely had enough. Like this project wouldn't even exist beforehand, but now that you have like an extra ten thousand dollars, you can develop it for every platform under the sun. Or you're gonna add like twenty more levels or another. Oh, great, another character. You know, you, you know what I'm saying. But yeah, I, unless there's a, a stretch goal that you really feel like, man, if I don't kick in my money, this is not gonna happen. I really want that stretch goal. Sure. But even then, well, it's funny. I just funded a Kickstarter at the beginning of the show, didn't I? Delver's drop. So. But at least there, the funding level was less, and I actually kind of want to see that and play that. So, hmm. But it's interesting. No, but what I makes that one okay and make the Tides of Numenor not okay? I'm trying to understand the psychology here, and I don't think I fully do yet. But then again, there's also the psychology of what makes like there's a big re- rallying against pre-orders now. Yeah. Like every like with the two biggest reasons being uh, SimCity and Alien Colonial Marines. Where you spend your money on a game that was broken, you could like with in the aliens part, they tricked. I feel like yeah, they basically lied to you and tricked you into buying and spending money on a product that you knew if it was what it was when it came out, you never would have purchased it. And another one where you spent your money before it came out because you were told you'd get like bonus DLC or whatever, and then when it comes out, you can't even play it. So two cases where if you just would have waited, you would have been better off. So, but. Are you are we pre-ordering at this point? Because it feels like sometimes I think it, what it does is it crosses the line between funding a game and pre-ordering a game, and so like a sort of this nebulous mental barrier. But maybe that's what it is. Well, I think like, maybe what we need to do is start to learn that once they hit their goal, we don't necessarily need to keep funding it. Is that what? It, maybe that's what it is. Like you know, we don't need to. You individually don't need to fund every game you're interested in. There's a lot of other people who can fund, and you fund some that you know weren't hitting their goal and some of people fund others maybe that's where this ends and instead of focusing so much on stretch goals it becomes more about just hitting funding and letting people choose which they're going to fund right that would be more reasonable because there's kind of this pressure like come on you're not an old school rpg fan you should back this what's wrong with you yeah if you care about old school rpgs you're gonna back this one you know it's like saying just because you have money to invest in companies you shouldn't invest in every single company that you that comes across that you're interested in right yeah, oh. it's also new. It's just interesting though because there's so many of these old franchises. Like, oh, I like Shenmue. So, oh. would you fund a Shenmue three Kickstarter? <sighs> Does Yu Suzuki have a team? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Honestly, that's a good question. So you want you want to know more about how likely it would be that it comes to fruition before you put your money down, right? Yeah. Okay. But would you be inter- you're you're more interested in it than maybe Tides of Numenera? Would I say? I'm interested in both. Okay. But I don't have that nostalgia for Planes Game Torment. I never played it. Okay. But I did play Shenmue 1. All right. 
But you know what? I wonder, what, what would a modern-day Shenmue look like? Can you build a modern Shenmue? How much money would he need? I don't know. Because think about what Shenmue 1 was. Shenmue 1 was like op- was open-world, hyper-detailed before like anyone else was. Mm-hmm. You remember that you can walk into your house and you can open every, every cabinet. And you can pull out like a, a stack of a battery or a toy and you can rotate it and look at it and then put it back. And you can do that for like every shop. Okay, I'm going to go walk to the shop and I'm going to go buy a Coke. Oh, look, at the bottom is a little yellow tab. So I want an item. I'm going to go well, take I it think, to the store. I think one of the lessons you have in a more modern Shenmue is that you don't necessarily need that level of detail in an open world game. And, like, they went that far because they're one of the first ones, but maybe the lessons now is that we can keep our development costs more reasonable by not going to that level of detail. But is it, is it a Shenmue game if you don't? I, I would think so as long as it's part of the story and plot, wouldn't it? I don't, for me, the Shenmue world was just inhabiting that little Japanese town and it being, being as real as it can be. All right. Then again, it went to China, and then you inhabited a little Chinese town. <laughs> but you know what the spiritual – it makes me wonder though because do we really need a Shenmue? Because it seems like the spiritual successor to Shenmue has been the Yakuza series. Ah, good point. I, I'd want to know more. I, I'd want to know how much he needs. Yeah. I, I want to know – because an open world game is like the hardest thing you could make. That's the most expensive and time intensive. You just got to populate it with so many things. I'd be interested. I, I'd have to know more. And this is from a guy who actually enjoyed Shenmue, even though I know looking back, it's, it's with rose-tinted glasses. Okay. Yeah. But it was just – that. wait, last thing. It was just a – it was just a, hey, what if I did Shenmue on Kickstarter? Is that all it was? It's, yeah, that's – it really seems early. Okay. So don't, don't trust too much into it yet. Uh, what else we got here? Oh, we have a new trailer for Project Happiness that came out this wait, week. Wait, wait, wait. One question. Yes. Doesn't Sega own the license to Shenmue? I don't know, dude. It's Yu Suzuki. He can make it work. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I... that's part of the Kickstarter is buying the license. <laughs> Kickstarter, anything can happen. <laughs> help me buy this license help and then help me, buy... me do another Kickstarter to make it. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Harvest Moon, uh, we kind of cover this, and Anna isn't here right now, but, uh, you know, we'll give it a little plug because, you know, she's a friend of the show. Um, she's been a longtime contributor. They've got a, uh, I don't even know what I'm saying. They have a new trailer about Project Happiness, which is now called Hometown Story, and you can check it out. It's kind of an evolution of Harvest Moon into a kind of shop management game. Think Reseteer, for example. And they've got a trailer showing it. And all the Harvest Moon type people and the rest of tier fans are very excited. And normal RPG players are kind of like, what? And just, just, I've learned to just nod and say, this is appealing to these people. Also, it has Uematsu music, and it sounds good. So, um, yeah. And it's the Pokemon artist, like the first Pokemon artist. So, yeah. That's a look for Hometown Story if you're interested in Harvest Moon games. And I know some of our listeners are. So go check that out. Skyrim, for the more hardcore folks amongst you, has got a new update coming to the PC. I like this. This is cool. So um, it's for the Steam version only, as far as I can tell. And it's going to let you raise your character levels. Um, And it's weird. So you have to drop your skills to the base level 15, and then you can rank up through them again, re-unlocking the valuable perks and uh, allowing you to level up far beyond the game's original level cap. And you have to rank up your skills a certain number of times before moving on to the next character level. Um, let's see. The update's only in beta phase, meaning it's PC only for now. I love that. So apparently the PC platform is 
production releases are considered beta by Bethesda. That's great. Thanks, Bethesda. Um, and they are looking to release it on consoles. So it's going to be called Legendary Difficulty. So that, that's how you do that. So check that out if you're interested in going back to Skyrim and playing more and having a reason to play more. Uh, we talked about there's a new wild patch that includes a big island including one full of dinosaurs that you can go farm and get pets and mounts and ride dinosaurs around or if you're a hunter you can have your own triceratops and name her Sarah Um, because that's a pun Uh, John you playing more WoW you've been off of that for a while no I've been playing WoW in sort of tiny bits you do anything with the new patch yet uh, I went to. I got. I'm on the boat out just out off the sh- off the shore. Oh, cool! That that's it. That, that that's, that's it? all I've done with a new patch so far. It's okay. it's basically just moved my character to the Isle of Thunder. That's go, it. Go check it out. There's a lot of dailies on there and a ton of people. Like I said, you can yes, group I, up with I, others I and them. hunt rares for forever. All right. This, speaking of World of Warcraft, there's some more news. Um, you know how Sam Raimi was originally going to direct the movie, and then like he left. Apparently, we found out why. Um, he and, uh, let's see, some other person that he was working with to make the script, um, Robert Rodat, they wrote the script, and Blizzard tentatively approved it, the the ideas, and but they said they had some reservations, then they went through and wrote the script, and then afterwards, Blizzard said, no, we're vetoing the script, and at that point, Raimi and Rodat invested so much, they decided, you know, they're kind of done with the project, or Blizzard decided. Um, Raimi says, honestly, I think it was a mismanagement on their behalf, he's referring to Blizzard, not to explain to us that the first story was vetoed long ago and why did they let us keep working on it? Were they afraid to tell me? So apparently that's why we don't get a Sam Raimi World World of Warcraft movie. Blizzard didn't like the script ideas they were going with and Raimi didn't like the Blizzard-written script that they had provided. So, um, yeah, now we have uh, Duncan Jones making the movie. I don't... You know... Can I just say this? Yeah. Okay. I don't know if Blizzard are the best storytellers. Okay. Yeah, I'm 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 a bit worried. Um, if Raimi didn't like the script, and if that script is what's going to push to Duncan Jones, that's I don't think that's a good sign. Honestly. Well, because I mean, it's like they have unshakable faith in Richard Neck. Yeah, and if they that's... think he's writing good stuff, they are sadly mistaken. And Nate Keen didn't do a great job on Diablo. No, he did a terrible job on Diablo. And he did a they worse were job s- than Neck. <laughs> and they were so happy with that Diablo book. Yeah. Well, so it I mean, makes they me have wonder. To be. I mean, they're a company. They have to be. They have to market it. They have a product. They have to sell it. Yeah, so. but they always have veto power, and they didn't veto that. Good <laughs> point. That was a terrible book. That book was awful. It was like it was like reading really crappy like middle school fiction. It was awful. So it makes me wonder. Like, I don't. I I I think Blizzard did. The, the creative team there, they have they have so much money and power that they like, no, we want our game to do this, regardless if it makes sense or not. Who knows? <sighs> More bad news. Bioware San Francisco has been shut down by EA, resulting what in 25 make? to 30 layoffs. They were making social and mobile-based games, so like uh, the Dragon Age Origins on the Facebook stuff. <clears throat> so that's all going away. So Dragon Age, well, I don't know that the games are going away, but the studio that made them is going away, I should say. I bet the games will continue on because they probably make money. <laughs> but not, apparently not enough money. <laughs> it was closed due to financial reasons and too expensive to continue to produce games from that location. So I guess they're consolidating, laying off those people. Maybe they'll keep making mobile and, and Facebook games, but just at another studio to consolidate office space or whatever. 
I guess not enough microtransaction money in that Facebook game, huh? I don't know. Or maybe it just is politics about running that particular office. Who knows? But it's gone. So those people don't have jobs. Maybe they'll be rehired. I don't know. Um, I'm following up on this game because we covered it so heavily at, at, at E3. Um, because we had the big, long video about it. Age of Wushu has a launch date now. April 10th. <laughs> and uh, it's already out in China. Uh, where it has 10 million users, and man, I hope it looks better than it did at E3, because the thing was a buggy mess, and I'm looking through the trailer now, they seem to have added a lot of graphical polish, so that's a good sign, because it needed it. Um, and Did they ask you, so what did you think at the end? No, and I, wasn't, I didn't want to say. Um, <laughs> I, I, it, the thing was so early, it would been on, they really shouldn't have been showing it, because mm-hmm. it, it really causes bad impressions to show a game that early. And um, because there's a lot of stuff that has to happen to development that just hadn't happened at that point. And so it's really unfair to judge a game at that point. So I, the game might be way, way, way better than what I saw. So I should really be clear about that. But um, yeah. Anyway, they've got a release date. You'll be able to check it out for yourself and see how it's done. And maybe I'll download it and see what's going on with that. Um, I don't know if this is subscription or free to play. I assume it's free to play. I don't remember from our, from our time before. Um, Age of Wushu, April 10th, 2013. Um, they showed... Ooh, hold on. Did they show box copy at the end of the thing there? Ah! That sound went on. That that looks like a PC box copy. So maybe it isn't free to play. I don't know what's up with that. All right, anyway. Uh, we talked about EA's microtransactions, which leaves us with our last story of the day. Elbion Online from Sandbox Games. So this is... Elbion is, of course, the Fable universe, right? Yes. Uh-huh. Or is this actually not related to Fable? <laughs> I said, that's why I, I picked this up. Rela- I don't think it's related to Fable. Oh, this one isn't related to Fable at all. They're just using Albion. Well, Mon- uh, Molyneux is currently running on. Is currently working on a Kickstarter game. So, well, but Molyneux is no longer associated with Fable. He doesn't work Good with uh, that, that that Microsoft Studio anymore. All right, this but is a, like a common name in the UK. I remember it's like the name of a famous giant. Oh, okay. So this is totally unrelated. So this is Elbion Online, and it's a Berlin-based. So what does it mean? Um, well, this is just an MMO where you run around and kill people. So it's not even an MRP- MMO RPG. Well, forget it was, then. Was <laughs> it the white-based Gundam thing like an, called the Albion too? Ah, uh, ooh. Uh, yeah. The, yeah, there was a there was a ship in Gundam called the Albion. Yeah, it's a common name. All right. Well, the 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 thing about this MMO is that it's cross-platform Mac iOS. Uh, iOS 6, Windows 8, Windows 7. That's so sad that they have to specify both of those. I Linux do kind of find, and... I find, it amu- I find it amusing that they call it the first true cross-platform MMO. Oh, Final Fantasy XI. Um. Hmm. Well, they're saying true because it's every platform, except there's no consoles on here. Should be well, noted. yeah, exactly. So, Whereas, this is a first, uh... so, but how many MMOs... Let's see, WoW was already Mac and PC, but it's not Linux, iOS, and Android. So... Hmm. There are not very many games that can claim they support all of these in the same mm-hmm. servers. Like Parallel Kingdoms, one of those games, it's much more simple than this. And it's it runs on all these platforms except the the Windows ones is a web platform and it's different servers. So What about yeah. Facebook games? Ooh. Good call. Uh no, Facebook games don't run on mobile devices. Unless oh, they have a right. mobile port of their client, which a couple of them do. Yeah, Ayakashi is one of those, isn't it? Yeah. Um, okay, maybe, that, but that's not an MMO either. That's a Facebook game. All right, so they might they might be right. 
with this claim, kind of, sort of. Anyway, they're not an RPG. Who cares? All right, that's all I got. Any more stories? I miss people. Uh, um, Richard Garriott's asking for a million to make a pseudo-ultimate game. Oh, really? Is that on Kickstarter? I believe it is. Oh, and the bottom tier is uh, $10. You don't get anything for it, but the way he frames it is repentance for any games you may have uh, illegally pirated in the past. Let me read this. Thank Lord British and prove your virtue with a $10 donation. If you ever pirated an Ultima game or used an exploit to grief other people in Ultima Online, here's your chance to repent. For your $10 donation, you will receive a clear conscience and Lord British's undying gratitude. (laughs) Wow. All right. So he's halfway to his goal of a million dollars. He's at 504000 It's a game called Shroud of the Avatar, colon, Forsaken Virtues by Portalarium Incorporated. That's a great name, Portalarium. Um, they got artwork over here, a few in-game shots and models, and who knows what it's going to be. I guess it's another Ultima-style game. And the team... Hey, they- hey, hey it gives, gives, them another, gives them another shot to uh, screw up on a, you know, in the same level as Ultima 9. Ooh, ooh, I have to plug something here, though. They did the same thing with the... Um, they have a chart that compares all the levels of the Kickstarter, like uh, Delver's Drop is doing, so bonus points for doing that. So that, that's nice. Um, I think RP Gamer should start a new Kickstarter podcast where we just update everyone on the latest Kickstarter news and updates of the week. Uh, this game going. still isn't out. This game still isn't out. This game still isn't out. And this game just funded and still isn't out. <laughs> Next week, same update. <laughs> no, no, no. Next week will be, here's five more Kickstarters. We'll <laughs> read through still the tiers. <laughs> have any of the RPGs come out? I think one or two of them have, right? Uh, Cthulhu Saves the World, yeah, that's true. And like a couple of the indie PC RPGs or RPG Maker things, I think, came out. But, yeah. I'm All just right. trying to remember what I've got. No, I, well, no, I was thinking of FTL. Yep, that's a good one. Yep. Yep. Uh, and the other one isn't isn't an RPG, which is Strike Suit Zero. Yes. All right, well, let's wrap up for the week. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. A big thanks again to Ryan Baker for coming on and talking about Delver's Drop. Um, go check that out, see if you're interested in supporting that Kickstarter. Give us some feedback. Um, I'd like to hear what you guys think about Kickstarter. How should we be approaching it? And how should we be... um, um, Should we feel like we should fund everything? Or should we kind of hold off after a game is funded? Um, Stretch goals? How do them play into it? What are your thoughts on that? That's what I'd like to hear. Leave us that feedback at podcast.rpgamer.com or call us at 608-729-4098. We'll play your voicemail voicemail right here on the show. Um, Also, leave a message on our message boards at board.rpgamer.com. Go to the latest updates section and the podcast thread will be right in there. You can catch us every week live at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern on rpgamer.com slash live. And for Manny and John and Anna and me, Chris, I want to say thank you. We'll catch you next week. Goodbye, everybody. Bye now. Grumpy Cat says no.